Hey friends, welcome to the Jesus Collective Podcast. My name's Matt. We're so glad you're tracking with us. Jesus Collective is a new relational network of churches and leaders with a vision to unite, amplify, and equip this Jesus-centered movement that God is raising up all over the place. During this pilot season, we're experimenting with different ways to build relationships with people in this movement, to put language to what Jesus-centered means, and to have meaningful and honest equipping conversations about the issues and opportunities facing our churches in this increasingly post-Christian context we find ourselves in. So, this podcast is one of those tools. You might find a number of different types of conversation formats shared here, and we hope you find it meaningful and engaging. You can learn more about us, join our mailing list, find information about upcoming online and in-person events, all that good stuff, at our microsite at JesusCollective.com, or you can find us on social media. And hey, we love hearing feedback and ideas and just meeting new Jesus-y people, so you can always reach out by email at connect at JesusCollective.com. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Hey everybody, Matt here. I'm privileged to serve as part of the Jesus Collective team. We just want to start by saying welcome. We are glad you're with us either here live, online, or listening after the fact. We often start out these calls just by centering ourselves on Jesus and our vision for Jesus Collective. And we just want to say that especially in the times we're in, we really feel right now a call to lean even deeper into our vision. And we sense that we could be really playing a role in the body by uniting leaders together as relationally as possible right now. That's why we do these family style and sacrifice some of the polish to open them up to conversation and interaction and peer learning um, and really equipping churches and leaders, maybe now even more than ever, in a way that really keeps Jesus at the center through what we're going through and beyond. Um, Just asking, how does that inform every move we make? How does it inform the questions we ask, the practices we're engaging in in community, our understanding of who God is and what he has to say about suffering? There's just so many threads that we feel like there's an opportunity to lean into right now more than ever. So we want to help with that. Um, And part of that being Jesus-centered really means being intentional about finding voices we can listen to and learn from that help us get closer to the marginalized among us. We, We feel like we have a long way to go on that, a lot to learn on that front, but we want to be intentional about that as a network right from day one. And today's really one step we want to take in that direction. I'll let uh, our hosts introduce our guest, Reese Skye, in a minute. But I think you're going to find she's got some great, authentic perspective that really gives voice to the urban poor and racial minorities especially. So we want to help kind of unearth some of the assumptions we might be making, specifically in the time of the pandemic, as it relates to these populations. Uh, so anyways, we're going to create some space at the end of the conversation today for those of you who may want to hear a bit more of an update on Jesus Collective or maybe you're new, you'd like to know a little bit more about who we are and what we're up to. So feel free to hang around after for that. One hook I'll give you before we get going is for a gathering that we're holding coming up called Unite Online on May 7th and 8th. We had to postpone our in-person Unite 2020 gathering, and we're hoping to reschedule that when we can plan with more confidence. But in the meantime, we're repurposing that space, and we're really excited about creating a gathering that responds to your needs right now, a time of renewal, listening to God, but also combined with some focused equipping with a really great group of peer contributors, all kind of underpinned by that Jesus-centered paradigm. So hang around to learn more about that uh, after the podcast today. You can check out details at jesuscollective.com slash unite online. Uh, we've had quite a number of people already register. We're getting excited about the event. Um, but for now, I'm going to turn it over to our hosts, John Hand and Angela Lamb. All right, over to you guys. Thanks, uh, Matt. Hi, everybody. Great to see you. Great to see so many uh, familiar faces who've been joining us on these these learning adventures that we call the 
online interactive podcast. I'm John Hand. I am a leadership development pastor for Jesus Collective. And then I serve in a local church, a church in Toronto area called the uh, Meeting House Church. And I'm leadership development pastor there. And I sit on our leadership team uh, and help kind of steward the vision for the church. So that's a little bit about me. Angela. And I'm Angela, and I'm a pastor from California, and uh, we are in the middle of COVID, like all the rest of you. Six weeks before this hit, we transitioned a brand new lead pastor. So I'm going to use a very uh, American term here. It's a little bit like a rodeo over here, <laughs> like, trying to figure all of that out. So I am eager for today to connect um, I'm super excited about this particular topic and this particular thought leader, which is a great transition. Um, I, we'd like to introduce you to Reese. Uh, this is Reese, and she is a pastor and church planter from Fresno, California. And Reese, is it true that your area of Fresno is called the Devil's Triangle? Is that really a thing? It, it is true. It is true. Um, but we are working together to change that narrative. So we are no longer called the devil's triangle, right? But Good. a place where God, God lives and breathes and moves. So I'm so excited about this particular conversation because even just in studying what you do and why you do it, which was really fun uh, to get to know you in that way. Uh, I got my mind blown. Uh, you paint a picture of what the church can be. Um, and in a lot of ways, it seems as though because of the way that you do church, you have been prepared for this moment uh, in a way that I am not as a pastor. And I cannot wait uh, to just talk about what you're experiencing and to be quite frank, to get further educated, um, have my horizons broadened and see a fuller picture of the church, um, both in her beauty and in her struggle in this yeah. time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe out of your own words, you could give us a little bit about your, a little bit more detail about your context. Yeah, so we're in Fresno, California. Fresno is actually the fifth largest city in California. Um, where we live, there are uh, 22 pockets of concentrated poverty concentrated poverty. So back in 2005, when Hurricane Katrina hit um, the Brookings Institute, they did a study on why, why were so many um, people in New Orleans specifically negatively impacted by the destruction and by the, the, the devastation of the hurricane. And they found out it was because so many poor people were living together so concentrated poverty. Well, after, when they did that study in 2005, they, they, they found that New Orleans was actually number two in concentrated poverty. Fresno, California was actually number one. Wow. So wow. we in Fresno had more poor people living in pockets in our neighborhoods than any other city in, in America. Um, and so we began praying and asking God, uh, what's going on? What, 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 what's our role in all of this? Um, and so we, with our, with our church plant at the time, we, we began just praying about, um, just praying about this idea of vision 22 there. If there are 22, con 22 pockets of concentrated poverty here in Fresno, then surely the church has something to say about that. Right. Um, and so that, that's a little bit about our context. Our, we planted our church in uh, 2011. Um, 
kind of a backdoor story. We were, we were already doing tutoring in our home. We were already um, kind of helping folks find their way out of gang situations and out of abusive relationships and out of drug, um, drug habits. We were, we were having girls at our house and they, we were throwing, you know, these little um, girls club. We called it Bliss, Beautiful Ladies Improving Self-Standards, Bliss. And teaching that. them about hygiene and teaching them about um, self-esteem and self-worth and identity. And we realized that on Fridays when the girls were meeting, the boys in the neighborhood were tearing it up. They were burning the neighborhood down. And so I told my husband, you better do something with those boys. And so they started, a, they started a boys club and we were doing all these things right and we're saying god what are you up to and what's our role in it we we cannot have people knocking on our door every single day because they need help because they need food because they need housing because they need whatever and so we just started talking to some neighbors like what would it look like to plant a church in our neighborhood with our neighborhood for our neighborhood mm. and on ramps covenant church was birthed um so so yeah that that's just a little bit about our context um and we're just we're excited to to see uh, what God continues to do. And like I was saying earlier, we, we literally sit at the edge of our seats going, God, what's next? And what do you want us to do? We don't want to be comfortable. We don't want to be complacent. We want to sit at the edge of our seats and keep asking you the question, what are you up to and how can we join you? So, so if you were already living so at the edge Reese. of your seat, Oh, go ahead, John. There's a delay somewhere in there. Go ahead, John. I think, I think it's on my end. I apologize. Uh, hey, Reese, can you, so we want to talk about how COVID is affecting the people that you serve and love, but uh, I would love it if you could just briefly share with us this vision of mobilizing 22 churches to the 22 most uh, affected neighborhoods in Fresno. Yeah, so um, on ramps, we are in one of, tw- one of those 22 um neighborhoods of concentrated poverty. And so really what we've done was we've, we've taken an anchor church in each one of those neighborhoods. And we've said, you know, we know, we believe that God has a great plan for Fresno. And we believe that this plan that God has for Fresno includes the church. And so, so your role as an anchor church is to partner with churches outside of these neighborhoods. So on the north side, um, with a little bit more money, a little bit more resources, a little bit more um, capacity, if you will, partner with those churches. And it's, it's bigger than just you come down here and do a service project. No, it's about the pastors first, the pastors becoming friends yeah. The pastors caring yeah. for each other, the pastors loving each other, and then showing their congregations, wow, there are blinders that we all have. On the north side, on the south side, there are blinders that we have, but how much more effective can we be if we partner together, if we love one another, if we deepen relationships and develop greater impact? Um, and so that's, that's what that looks like. And right now, John, it's so exciting. Right now, there are 24 churches who are committed to Vision 22. And that's a combination of Southside churches, anchor churches, and Northside churches. And so it's been really fascinating just to see the blinders fall off, to see unity happen, to see uh, relationships deepened. Again, between the pastors, we've got pastors who have uh, in the past merged their churches for like a month long services. Like just, just to, hey, y'all on the North, come down to the South 
And we're going to have church together for a full-on month. We're going to share the pulpit. We're going to swap worship songs and worship styles. And we're going we're gonna to see what God really wants to do in our city. This is pre-COVID, of course. Um, and so now, you know, we've got, a little, got, got to be a little bit more creative about how we do that. But it, it's been remarkable to see God just really breathing new life into these 22 neighborhoods that were once considered very blighted. And now they're marked by light and by love and by God's presence. And it's just been, it's just been incredible. Yeah. I love your tagline of a healing community. That's healing its community. I just, that picture. Yeah. Yeah. For us, it didn't make sense. Angela, it did not make sense for us to hide inside of our buildings when we could hide inside of our buildings <laughs> to hide inside <laughs> of our buildings, right. With amazing preaching, great worship, all these amazing children's programs, all, all this great stuff happening when houses right next door to our buildings were boarded up and where prostitution is happening freely and where gang violence it's, for us, it just did not make any sense. And we said, you know what? Our ability to flourish as a church is directly connected to our neighborhood's ability to flourish. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense any other way. And so for us, Lowell is our parish. We, we, We may, when we were able to gather, we may have gathered 125 people on a Saturday night. But really, we felt the the spiritual responsibility for 6,800 neighbors in our in our neighborhood, right? So it's it's less about who was in our building and more about oh, that's my brother walking down the street right now. Yeah, what is that? My sister walking down the street right now. What is spiritual responsibility? What is that? Just praying, praying, and loving, and and being being the house still to this day where people. Um, when they're hungry, they they're knocking on our, our door. When when they need prayer, they're knocking on our door. Um, when a neighbor just just passes away, they're knocking on our door saying, I, "I may not have ever stepped foot in your building, in your church building, but I know that you are safe and that you are healthy, and that that I can come to you, and I can have my spiritual needs be met." So. Can you pray for my family? Can you, whatever. So yeah, just the spiritual responsibility. I remember years ago, um, driving down the street and there was a a woman who, I don't know if she was a victim of sex trafficking or if she, um, was, um, kind of, um, freely prostituting herself, but I pulled my car over and I said, girl, (laughs) I said, sis, come here. I, I don't want you doing this. You are worth more. You are loved. You are known. You are seen by God. He has a plan for your life. And when you're ready, come meet me at, and I gave her my address. (laughs) When you're ready, come and see me because you don't have to live like this. And I hurried and I drove off because her, her, her workers were coming. Her, her, you know, those Mm -hmm. were using her and selling her they they were they were coming and i so i'm not you know we we use wisdom yes but i'm not you know so i drove off real fast and i'm still waiting for her to come to my home and say you know i get it now i am worth more than that i am you know uh loved and god does know me and he he cares about my situation so that that to me john is what spiritual responsibility looks like i don't even know her name I didn't even tell her my name. I didn't say, hey, I'm the Christian on the block or I'm the pastor. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I care about you. As a woman, woman to woman, you don't have to do this, sis. You don't have to do this. 
Yeah. So that's what spiritual responsibility feels like for me. Mm-hmm. So you've painted a, a, I think, beautiful picture of what the church, I'm, I'm convicted by your vision of your parish being your 6800. Um, and then also a vivid picture of what your neighborhood is like. Yeah. So can we talk about how Lowell neighborhood uh, or your 22 Fresno, um, when you describe the effects of Katrina on that community, can you talk to us a little bit about what you're experiencing COVID's effects on your community? Yeah. Yeah. So COVID-19 is really just one more thread in the tapestry of your life. If you are poor, if you are homeless, if you are food insecure, if you're an ethnic minority, Um, as devastating as COVID-19 is, it really is just one more layer that folks in our neighborhood are dealing with, uh, the, the concern around it, the fear around it, which is very real. And we want to we wanna make sure that we say that it is very real. Um, but when you have people in our neighborhood who, um, who are experiencing a disparity in access, they can't go to the doctor. They don't have a copay and they don't, they don't have the money for a copay. They don't, um, they don't feel safe. My my dad just the other day had a conversation with a young African-American man who um, my dad said, where's your where are your gloves and where's your mask, young man? And he says, sir, I'd rather put myself at risk for catching something than walking around with a mask on my face and getting shot by the cops, possibly. Yeah. So there's this disparity even in how we're able to protect ourselves. Right. Um, Social distancing is a privilege. There are folks who are homeless who don't have the privilege of social distancing. Um, When you talk again, talking about wearing a mat, like all these different disparities in protection, disparity in access. That's what our neighbors are are going through. Um, There are many in our neighborhood who are undocumented who say, you know what? If I feel chest pain, if I have a cough, if I have a fever, I'll stay home and and figure it out because I don't want to risk whatever may be on the other side, if I do go to the hospital or if I'm pulled over on my way to the hospital. Um, so yeah, this, the social distancing thing, as, as, as important as it is, it is a privilege. Wearing a protective mask, as important as it is, it is a privilege. Going to the, going to the store to get your essentials when you need, the, the toilet papers, the hand sanitizers, the soap, whatever. It is a privilege. And so one of the things that we found ourselves doing as a church and as a community is just, you know, putting, putting our information out there online. You need, what do you need? Here's my number. Are all the elders at our church here? Here are our numbers. Here's the times you can call us. Here are the days you can call us. We want to be helpful. Um, we want to stay safe as well, but we, we want to be as helpful as we can. Um, we're doing grab and go dinners for those who who don't have food. Um, we are delivering leftovers from our school districts to, to neighbor, to neighbors in our neighborhood who don't have food. We're partnering for uh, partnering to have free little libraries in, in front of our churches and in front of our homes because the library is actually closed and people are bored sheltering in place. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're trying, we're trying to do what we can do knowing that there's not much we can actually do. Nobody was prepared for this. Nobody yeah. was prepared for this. What about the, you had mentioned the other day when we were talking about the, uh, the you have a lot of 
uh, farm workers and field workers because there's a you're in a fruit belt and a farm belt. Uh, and we are where we live in Niagara, uh, Ontario, we are actually in a farm belt or a fruit belt as well. What you, you had said that this was impacting that uh, population of people who work in the fields in a way that I hadn't heard about before. Yeah, and, and I'm no expert in this in this area by any means, but um, again, when we're talking about those of us who have the privilege of working from home, mm-hmm. working remotely with a laptop, with working internet, um, with cell phone service, with all, all those all those things, um, there are people who are still feeding us, and those those workers, those farm workers, those field workers who are still waking up before the sun rises. And who are still coming home when the when the sun sets, they're they're still out there working and and producing and harvesting and planting, and where's their protection? Where where is their option to say, I'm I'm not coming in today? You know, again, it, it really it really does shine a light on the amount of privilege that some populations have that others do not have. So, yeah, it's helpful. Yeah, and stunning. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I, from a non-church perspective, like how often do we think about where our food comes from? We're not great about that. But then, when you also think about it from a, a humanity perspective, COVID is just shoving into our face, right? And so much needed awareness, just right. waking up, right, to what right. that experience is. Right. Are you as a church, how much of your, so Lowell is your parish, but the mm-hmm. people that gather or that used to gather on Saturday nights, mm-hmm. are you able to host online service for that population? How much of your church can't do that because of internet and things like that? Right, right. Well, we're, we're doing our best. We, we really are. We're doing our best. We, um, we just, uh, last week, I believe, or two weeks ago, we just split up our database and just had um, had our, our elders just make some phone calls. Um, for those who, I mean, because there are some who do have access online, and then there are those who don't. But we just split up our list and we said, okay, Elder Dave, you called these 10 people. Elder Wendy, you called these 10 people. You know, we just split it up like that, and um, and we're, we're gaining information on what the real needs are in this season because people need different things right now right some people are actually okay and they're just taking it one day at a time but then there are those who need the mental health resources there are those who need the emotional support there are those who actually do need um, groceries or an extra mask if you have one um and so so yeah there are there are some in our in our neighborhood and in our congregation who don't have access to the online um, worship gatherings or the online bible studies um but but we're trying our best to make sure that other needs that they do have are are met and then and that they are staying in contact with you know with with folks um so that they don't feel so alone in in a season where i think just about everybody's feeling <laughs> feeling isolated you know yeah. um so yeah we're tr- we're trying we're trying Reese, uh so let's let's assume for the sake of probably probability uh those of us who are on this call or who are listening to this as a podcast after the fact uh let's say that most of us are somewhat uh, say sequestered in our privilege 
from the needs that you're referencing and the people that you love and serve and live with. Are there, is there anything else that if you were to be completely permissioned to be as honest as you could be and prophetic as you can be, what would you, what would you say to a group of people who have good hearts, but have been sequestered in our privilege away from the people that you love and serve? What, what are some other things that we need to know that you want us to know about how uh, life is like these days for the people that you love? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, um, John. And I'm glad you reminded me of the permission that I have to be, to be honest. Um, Please. I love I love that term that you use sequestered in privilege. I love that term. Um, I think pre COVID, um, there 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 were some who were already sequestered in privilege, and now with COVID, the 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 light is being. I mean, it's just magnified what what some of us already knew um, were very stark disparities in, in our, in our neighborhoods, in our, in our regions. Um, I'm thinking about the incredibly devastating rate of African Americans who are dying of this virus due to underlying issues, um, underlying illnesses, lack of access to proper health care, lack of urgency when being provided medical care. Um, lack of access to uh, immune boosting foods like th- this this was already the reality for many of us and now with covid and now with the the dispor- this disproportionate number of african americans dying now all of a sudden we we're seeing what's happening yeah. um and for some of us we're like this has this has been happening already um Again, we talk about the the disparity in protection. We talk about the disparity um, in access. The disparity in protection is huge for us. In, in our in our church, there are many many of the men who are a part of um, a rescue mission, and so they're they're in a rehab program. You can't distance yourself socially. Um, those who are incarcerated, those who are in a shelter um, because they were victims of domestic violence, there's not much social distancing you can do, right? And so I think for, for pastors, for ministry leaders, for us to be aware is huge. For us to no longer bury our head in the sand and say, COVID-19 was the great equalizer of all humanity. No, that's not true. Yeah, we can't say that. You're saying you don't have permission to say that. (laughs) Right. You don't. Thank you, John. You don't have permission to say that. You don't have permission to say that. Remain aware of what's happening in communities that don't look like yours. Learn the stories and share the stories in your congregations, on your Zoom calls, um, in your families, like these are, these are more than just numbers. These are names. These are names. Um, and when, when we make it to the other side, whenever that happens, Mm -hmm. obviously things are not going to be the same. Everything has changed. And, and we need to just be, just be very honest about that. Everything has changed, but when we make it to the other side, don't stop sharing the stories. Don't stop learning the stories. Use your power, use your privilege 
to help change the narrative. Let's keep asking questions like, why, why don't certain populations have, have the same amount of access, access and to, to resources? Why, why is there such disparity in our educational systems? Oh, my goodness. Can we talk about how many of our students are, are, are so afraid of failing because they don't have, uh, they don't have Internet access? Mm-hmm. Sure, the school uh, let them uh, borrow a device, a, a tablet, an iPad, a, a computer, but where are they going for Internet access? And you're, you're saying there's large groups of people that don't have internet access at home. They don't. They don't. And I, so I just told a mother just the other day, um, she, she and her husband, they just, took in, um, they just took in some nieces and nephews. So there are 10 of them in their home right now. And I just told her, I said, call me. I will open up the church building, spread everybody apart. They've got their own <laughs> spaces, right? And use our internet. It's, it's just... It's here. Use it. Use it. And she was like, really? But I don't want to bother anybody. I said, girl, you better call me. I'm going to be so upset with you if you don't call me. And if I find out that your kids and your nieces and your nephews are struggling and they're not getting any work done um, remotely because you didn't want to call, you didn't want to bother me. Are you kidding? We're in this together. And people need to know that we are in this together. Like never before we are in this together. So, so Reese, when I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm quite frankly hoping to be educated and have my horizons broadened. You're killing it on that front. Like this, the picture that you're painting is so helpful, and I am touched uh, by where I need to grow in my usness. Um, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Yeah. thank you for that. Throughout the course of the stories that you're telling, um, there's, I called this person, I stopped in here, I delivered that, I'm going to show up at the church and let you use the internet. Like, okay, can we just talk as frankly about how you're still upright? (laughs) Can we, we, I mean, we're all pooped. Everybody's pooped. But when I look at the energy that I'm uh, expending in order to make the online experience for our church body be super connected, I'm not driving anywhere. I'm I'm in my padded seat, like pastoring with my keyboard. Um, Can you please talk a little bit about self-leadership? How are you not overwhelmed? How self-care can we just go down that route for a little bit yeah 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 so i think again one of the pre-covid blessings um is that and and you 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 may find this a lot more in um, ethnic minority communities where we depend on each other we don't have this false sense of individualism um there is already a collective and communal vibe right Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we did very, very, very early on, even in the life of our church, is we established teams and, and co-leaders. Like, so, so my husband and I, we co-pastor. Um, our youth directors, our, our husband and wife, they co-direct. Like, we've got lots of great teams, uh, lots of great partnerships, not just internally in our church, but even um, uh, across the city with other churches, right? We've got just this, this huge... Um, appreciation for a partnership and for communalism, collectivism, um, kinship. Like I belong to you, you belong to me, right? Like you're you're my brother, you're my sister. Um, so we already established this pre-COVID. So now navigating 
these uncharted territories as, as difficult as it is, it's not as difficult because we've already established this, this, um, this emphasis on family. Right. And so, so we, yes, I am tired, but I also know that today is Thursday and it's not my day to be on duty. There are two elders on duty today and, and Reese and Phil ain't it. Okay. That's really great. <laughs> Our day yep. is Sunday. Our day is Sunday. So I don't know who it is today, but God bless them as they serve our body today. But it's not feeling Reese, right? Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, so, so we've been able to do that. Um, we've been able to establish um, just great partnership, great, great relationship. Um, and we do, we do take our, our time and we, we rest. We rest well. Um, every Wednesday is my Sabbath anyway. Um, and so I take that day and I'm just like, Jesus, fill me up, Lord. <laughs> I need more of you. I'm empty, you know, and I, I tease people all the time. But I feel like I'm a better pastor on Thursdays because <laughs> because I took all of Wednesday to just be with Jesus. You know, don't call me. Don't text me. Um, if you're sick, I'll lay hands on Thursday. Like I'm not. No, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's me and Jesus on Wednesdays, you know, um, so that that's what self-care um, has looked like even pre-COVID. And, and now more so we're, we're able to lean into it even more. Um, yeah, we, we've we've been able to establish just this 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 family in our church where you don't necessarily need to call on Pastor Phil or Pastor Reese because you got your sister, you got your brother, text them, right? We're, we're so yeah, anyway, good that, that's what it's looked like. Yeah. So I can see why John describes you as prophetic. I can absolutely, I get it. Pathetic or prophetic? <laughs> I'm kidding. Prophetic. Prophetic. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so would you use a little of that on us? Could we unleash you to get up on your little soapbox and say a word um, of incur- I don't know what the whole whatever the Holy Spirit wants to lead you yeah. to do. Could we? Could John and I just sit back for a minute and just let you preach it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I have been praying about what the Lord would want to release um, during this time, and so, um, so thank you for the permission to to do so. Um, I really got a sense that many of us. Um, have been yelling at God, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's next. Tell me why this is happening. We've been yelling at God, tell me, tell me, tell me. And all the while he's been whispering to us, trust me, trust me, trust me. And so I really believe that this has, this is a season where we get to deepen our trust in God um, it's not a coincidence that this this podcast is is happening during Holy Week. It's not a coincidence mm-hmm. that that we're recording today on um, Monday Thursday, um, to be more specific. You know, when Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples and he's 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 sharing in the Last Supper. He's preparing for his crucifixion and resurrection. And what a time to deepen his trust in his Father, right? And so here we get we get to do the same. We have an opportunity to deepen our trust in God. Um, I, I, I've been looking at this season as, um, as a nevertheless type of season where 
especially for leaders, like Jesus is saying, oh, God, if, it, if it's possible, you know, please let this cup pass for me. Um, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Um, the, the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in this fiery, they're, before they're thrown into the fiery furnace, they, they're, they're talking to King Nebuchadnezzar because they wouldn't bow. They wouldn't bow to the golden statue. And they say, you know, even if God doesn't deliver us, nevertheless, we believe that he is able to. So again, this is a nevertheless type of a moment. I think of, of, of King Jehoshaphat when he gets word that not one, not two, but three armies are coming against uh, Judah. And, and he's saying, I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Nevertheless, our eyes are on you, God. Nevertheless, this is a nevertheless moment for the church. This is a nevertheless moment for, uh, for pastors and for ministry leaders. Um, and while we are deepening our trust in God, while we are saying, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. May we not forget to take care of ourselves as we are serving others. The gospel that we preach for others is also for us. So we need to remember that. We need to lean into that. Um, I'm thinking of, um, of the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verses 3 through 5. And I'm, I'm going to read it for us. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Mm -hmm. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. We cannot pour from empty cups. We cannot comfort others if we ourselves are not postured to receive the comfort from God first. This gospel that we preach is not just for other people, it's for us too. And so we, we lean in and we say, amen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's also been helpful to, uh, to, for me in this season to remember what my capacity is. What, what is my scope? What is my, if you will, uh, expertise? Guess what? I don't have a medical degree. I, I, I'm not a food bank. Um, I, I don't have much knowledge on housing. My husband does. He works for the Fresno Housing Authority. I, but I, that's, not, that's not my scope. But what I can do is pastor people. What I can do is love people well. What I can do is try my best to shepherd people and to point them to hope that we have in Jesus, to point them to the comfort that we have in the Holy Spirit, the same comfort that I received. I can then point them to that. And so I, I feel like that's, that's one of the reasons why there is so much um, burnout and so much weariness that, that a lot of pastors and leaders are feeling right now is because we are trying to do it all. Mm-hmm. We're trying to answer every question. We're trying to post every post. We're trying to just stop. Everybody calm down, <laughs> relax, <laughs> and lean into what we can do in this season. I know it's scary. I know it's frightening. I know it's uncertain. But if we can lean into what God has called us to do as pastors, the medical community can't can't shepherd people the way that pastors can. Those who are doing their best at the community food bank and they're trying to trying to uh, give food to those who don't have it. They can't shepherd people the way that we've been called and equipped and empowered to do so. Right. So let's lean into that and let's do that. Well, let's do let's stay in our lane and Mm -hmm. let's do that well. Um, I'm reminded of um, 
our director of ministerial health. Um, her name is Dr. Jean Chain Gorman um, in our denomination. And she said, you know what, pastors, now is the time where good enough is good enough. Mm -hmm. And when she said that, I was like, Whoo, thank you, Jesus, because <laughs> I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to pray. I don't know what else to post. This is a season where good enough is good enough. It, we're trying to trying to create these perfect productions for our online services and worship gatherings. Uh-uh. Good enough is good enough. And may God take our good enough and, and, and bless it and break it and multiply it. And may, may thousands be fed. And may there be leftovers afterwards, right? But, but our good enough really is good enough right now. And so we need to be gracious with ourselves. We need to relax a little bit. We need to calm down. And it's not to say that, that everything is not crazy and chaotic, but if we can just recognize the peace that we've been given, that peace that surpasses all understanding, may that peace guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus, then those we are leading will begin to experience that same amount of peace and that same amount of comfort and that same amount of hope. So that's what I'm really feeling in this season. I'm really feeling that in this season. Yeah. That's a, that's a good word, Reese. It was a good enough word. <laughs> yes. Good <laughs> girl. Good enough, good enough is good that's enough. A, that's a good enough word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've got, you've got um, two, two glorious minutes left in this segment. And I just uh, would love to invite you to, to share in two full minutes. What can we do with what you've shared about the vulnerable, the poor, the way they're being affected? Um, I feel my heart wants to do something, but I'm so sequestered, literally, mm -hmm. and I'm sequestered in my privilege. I don't even have the imagination of where to start. So where do I start? Yeah. Yeah, I think you start with um, staying aware, stay aware, continue to to search for those stories that are unlike yours, right? Search for those stories, listen to those stories, share those stories with, with again, with your congregations, with your ministry contexts, um, so that we remember that there's more going on than just what I'm experiencing individually, um, there are people who don't look like me, who don't, who didn't vote like I did, who 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 uh, don't have the same beliefs as I do, who are experiencing this very differently than I am. So keep sharing those stories. And then the other thing I would say um, is for us to remember, as followers of Jesus Christ, to continue to lean on Scripture. Yes, we pay attention to science. Yes, we pay attention to what the medical um, experts are saying. But we also need to remember to lean on scripture, lean on scripture. When Jesus is, is on his way to the cross and he takes time out to, to, to encourage the disciples, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's on his way to the cross and he's comforting his disciples. He's saying peace. What? I don't know that I would be saying that to anybody on my way to my death. I don't know. <laughs> but we get to lean on scripture. We get to lean on scripture. Um, John 15, remain in the vine. Remain, remain in me as I also remain in you. Apart from Jesus, in this moment, we can't do anything. We're not going to produce fruit. 
if we disconnect ourselves from the true vine. And so we must remain connected to him now more than ever. And, and remaining connected to him is, is bigger than just Christ being an accessory in my life. Like I just put on my earrings this morning. No. And I take them off at night. No, no, no. I need Christ to live for me and in me and through me at this moment. I, I can't do this on my own. I need him to do it for me. He's, it's yeah. bigger than just him being an accessory. So lean on scripture, keep sharing stories. I love that. And I, I think that is the, the hidden glory in this moment for the church is that we, we are so disoriented and we are, uh, we've, been in, we've never been here before in modern history. We actually need Jesus. We do. We do. We, we actually need him we to do to know. do church. We actually <laughs> yeah. we actually need Jesus to to do church. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because yeah. all the stuff that we have uh, easily relied on is just not as predictable and dependable. Right, uh, right. As it, as it right. has been. Right. We can that's no good. longer lean on our own understanding. Yeah, that's it. We can't. We can't do it anymore. So, so I, uh, we're going to transition to Q&A. So I, I want to queue up everyone here on the, on the call who's with us uh, to be thinking of a question for Reese, And we're going to take some time to just let you explore with her the things that are really important to you. But before we do that, because this is, this is our Jesus Collective podcast, and this is a, a collection point for those who are tracking with, Jesus, um, with the Jesus Collective, uh, I want to uh, invite my friend Bill to uh, kind of take the first question. And I talked to Bill ahead of time and I just um, would love Bill to share. What is it about Jesus collective that has him excited? Hi, Bill. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Good, man. So Bill is the pastor of hope covenant church of Lake Stevens, Washington state. Is it, is it a sin? Snow, Snohomish County. How do you pronounce that? Yeah, Snohomish County. Snohomish County. You live here. Otherwise, it's useless. <laughs> That's great, man. So, Bill, um, just as a brief kind of parentheses here, uh, what is it about Jesus Collective that you are excited about? Yeah, um, thanks. And, and thanks for letting me share a little bit. Uh, I got to say, uh, being out here, we, we, I always joke uh, out here in Northwest Washington that we're kind of South Canada. So, you know, we're, there you we're go. drawn to you guys naturally already. Um, but for us at Hope, we're a church plant. We started in 2011 as well. Um, and we've, we felt for most of our time, we felt both a little clever and a little lonely. Uh, mm. A lot of the stuff that we would talk about, uh, we would feel a little clever every now and then when we would talk about things, um, how we were trying to do church and reach people uh, in a unique and different way. Uh, we would talk about trying to be uh, a third way, trying to be Jesus-centered. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we thought that was, um, you know, some, some good language for what we were trying to do. But we felt a little lonely about that because we didn't hear that necessarily reflected uh, with the other churches in our area or, or even sometimes our denomination. Uh, so then to, to find the Jesus Collective, and the, the first podcast that I listened from you guys, you kept saying stuff that I would say here. Mm. And you you said so many things, and I, I would would write into my leadership team. I was I was almost like live streaming your podcast to my leadership team, and I'm like, this sounds like hope. This is mm. these are our people. This is what we have been looking for all along. Um, it's just super exciting to see people that, uh, yeah, again, want to figure out 
what's the best way to reach our communities with the good news of Jesus Christ? Um, and, and to really be centered on that. And it's, it's just affirming and life-giving. Oh, that's great, man. Thank you. Uh, we're hearing that story multiple places. These people who are like, we're, we're finding each other. And it's not like it's coming from Jesus Collective. It's, it's something so much bigger. And yet we're using this language of like, how do we navigate these third, way, these third ways through the polarization in our, in our times? How do we keep Jesus at the center? How do we hold our beliefs in a centered set way that, that make room for each other and our differences? So, uh, yeah, it's just music, music to our ears to hear uh, of the friends that we're making, uh, that Jesus is knitting us together because we've been, say, kind of disconnected and now we're becoming family. So that's so cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're super excited about too. Awesome. So we're going to, thank you, Bill. Um, we're going to transition back now into Q and a with, with Reese and, uh, you get to go first. Perfect. Uh, Reese, thanks so much. I am, um, humbled and challenged and inspired, um, with, uh, with so much of what you're sharing, uh, for us, uh, Actually, yeah, I hope this isn't just totally unique to us. So we are a church plant, uh, and just about two years ago, uh, we were humbled and gifted with a building. Um, And so that's allowed us to transition into a new phase of ministry for us. But it's also really challenged us because now, in a lot of ways, most of us are now commuters to our building. We aren't in our neighborhood. We don't Mm -hmm. uh, live there. Uh, and, and so, and, and one of the reasons why, honestly, we were gifted this building is that church for a long time hadn't really connected with that neighborhood. So um, it is a more diverse neighborhood, uh, both ethnically and economically. Um, how, is there a way for us to, to do a better job to, to be able to, to, to connect in that neighborhood, to live in that uh, is it gonna is it gonna mean that we're gonna need to move in? Um, you know, or or is there uh, things that uh, that we can do above and beyond that? I'd, I'd love your your insight on that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just I'm grateful that you um, even asked the question because some people, I mean, it's just not on their radar, right? Um, so we thank God for the blessing of a building um, because we know that buildings help facilitate ministry, and so we're grateful for that. Um, at the same time. Um, I think the question for you would be, um, how important is the mission of your church in terms of being authentically located in the place where you're ministering, where your building is? If, if most of you all are commuting to the building, then the question would be, huh, does, does that help, uh, does that help our mission feel genuine, feel authentic, right? So one of the things that we've done, um, many of us do live in the neighborhood, but then there are some who don't. Um, And so for those who don't live in the neighborhood, um, they've been able to connect outside of worship gatherings, outside of Bible studies, they've been able to connect um, on what's called street parishes. And so there are, matter of fact, we have a a meeting later on tonight on Zoom, um, just how to expand those street parishes. But right now we've got two different streets in our parish where um, we were meeting once a month on a Friday night, right? And there are people in the neighborhood who that is their church. That's church for them. They necessarily wouldn't come to the building, but they knew, oh, I can go to H and Terry's house or I can go to Bud's house on a Friday night. And that's church for me. That's my street parish. Um, And those who host and convene the street parishes are the first responders. Whenever something is happening in, in on that street, in our neighborhood, 
they are the first to know about it and they let the rest of the church know. Um, if there's a celebration, they're the first to know about it and, and, and then let the rest of the church know. So maybe you can be creative and innovative about how to stay plugged into your neighborhood outside of your worship gatherings, outside of your, you know, uh, Bible studies or whatever else you, you may have been hosting at your building. Um, it may it may require one or two core families to relocate into the neighborhood to be a strategic neighbor for us. We realized, uh, well, we moved into the neighborhood first before we, before we planted, right? But we realized that our conversations with our neighbors were more authentic because that helicopter, uh, that helicopter, the police helicopter that, that lulled us all to sleep last night, it wasn't just happening in their neighborhood. It happened in, in my neighborhood, right? I didn't, I didn't have the privilege of driving away from the hovering because the crime that was just committed. I didn't have the privilege of driving away from that. I was there. And so now there's this, um, there's a unique conversation that we're able to have because of that connection, because of that, that collective narrative. Again, it's not to say that your church can't do ministry living outside of the neighborhood, but there's something really special about living with those that you minister to and learn from. Right. I learned so much more about Jesus when we when we moved into our neighborhood 13 years ago. I learned so much more about Jesus than I ever had sitting in a pew very comfortably in, in, in some other church. Right. Like, seriously, my neighbors taught me so much about Jesus um, and, and really challenged me. Do I really love everybody? How judgmental am I really? <laughs> Check my privilege. Right. So anyway, you, you may have to move. I'll just say it like that. You may some, somebody may need to move. <laughs> she's, she's calling you out, Bill. <laughs> All right, I'll call my wife. Oh. But, but God will open those doors, though, right? God God will do it. God will open those doors if it's if it's meant to be. So, thank you. Yeah. Good. Hey, I'd like to hear what you're doing to filter the streams of information in your world. Lots of people are overstimulated at the moment and uh, the inputs are just everywhere. Yeah. What do you do? This is down the self-care route again, but what are you doing? What filters are you using? Like, is it, I only tune into the news, uh, you know, for 15 minutes here. Or, like, what are you doing to filter the input? Yeah. Yes. Great, great question, Angela. Um, so, it's important for me, for my own well-being, to, to separate what's global, what's national, and what's local. Do I care about what's happening globally? Absolutely. Do I care about what's happening nationally? Absolutely. I can only do something about what's happening locally, though, right? So, so that has taken the pressure off. Woo, I don't have to watch everything or pay attention to all of that. Locally, every Thursday um, for about an hour, the, the Fresno County Department of Health meets with um, faith leaders and faith-based leaders, uh, church leaders, pastors. So I actually have that call later on today. That's what I'm paying attention to because they, they are the experts. They, they are the, the, the medical experts. They know what's going on, and they are giving us direction as pastors, as church leaders. Okay, here's what we need your help with with your congregation Tell them to keep praying. Tell them to keep reaching out to the older folks who need help. 
tell them to keep socially distancing themselves if they can. And thank you for transitioning to the online um, services and worship gatherings. There are some folks who are trying to have um, uh, Easter in the parking lot this Sunday. And they told us last Thursday, as much as we know, like we know how important that is for you. It's just not safe. And so we're listening to our local uh, health experts and we're following their lead. So that that's how I'm filtering um, what I am taking in. And then I'm also having to realize that if I am so busy taking in all this external information, as important as it is, I'm missing what my 14 year old needs for me right now. I'm missing what my 12 year old needs for me right now. I'm missing what my husband needs for me right now. So if anything, I better be paying attention to what's happening in my address, right? (laughs) What's happening in my home? Um, how, How are they, how are they navigating this? How are they feeling? about all this. They're stressed out about school or they're stressed about stressed out about who's going to take the dog for the walk uh, for the walk today because I'm not doing it because I did it yesterday. Like I need to pay attention to what's happening in my home, Um, paying attention to that. So one of the things that that I was really challenged on and I, I talked to John about this last week was my idea of of the vulnerable or the marginalized has even been been stretched. So so automatically I think of, you know, our homeless neighbors, um, those who are poor, those who are, who are incarcerated. Like I think about those automatically, but I've had to now shift my thinking in terms of who's vulnerable. Wow. There are two older couples in our congregation who are, are at risk. Um, there are those who are immunocompromised, who are at risk and vulnerable. So I've had to change my understanding even. I've been stretched, right, to think mm-hmm. about who's vulnerable in this moment. Um, and so that, that's really how, I'm, how I have been filtering all of the information that is coming in. Um, we don't spend much time online. We don't spend much time um, watching the news um, you know, because it can be overwhelming. It really can be. And we need to be able to, 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 to filter out what's fact and what's fear, right? What's, what's, what's really happening and what's, you know, somebody's trying to make happen. (laughs) So that's, that's a great question, Angela. Yeah. When you mobilized the uh, 22 churches, into the 22 most, say, hardest hit neighborhoods of poverty. Um, I noticed you said North Fresno, and I know Fresno, my friend lives there. So North Fresno is, it's kind of wealthier Fresno, right? That's kind of the burbs. And they tend to be um, Latino or mostly in North Fresno, white, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you mobilize these churches, let's say there's a pastor listening on this call who wants to do mobilization work because they believe that the body of Christ can work together to fight poverty in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what did you start doing? How did you, how did you build, you said you connected the pastor to the pastor. How did you do that? And then what are those churches doing in those neighborhoods in in the south in the city of fresno mm-hmm. yeah good so i am married to a uh very wise man um incredibly gifted man and uh phil my husband is actually um this this was actually a burden of his for a while now 
again after the after the um, Hurricane Katrina information came out, and we you know discovered that Fresno was number one was number one. We're actually now number two. Yay! We're making progress right. um, for concentrated. <laughs> pot. Hey, we, listen, we celebrate those victories. Okay, of course, um, every inch. Right. So, um, so our our city is. Um, our city is divided into three three major um, zones, if you will. There's there's a green zone, which is you know, um, all like mo- majority of the wealth and resources and um, access to, to 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 just basic things, right? So green zone, and then there's the yellow zone where there's a little bit of poverty, not much, a um, little bit of uh, inequity, not much, and then there's the red zone where everything illegal and bad is happening. It's happening, right? So so. These red zones, these 22 pockets of, of, of concentrated poverty are, are these red zones. And um, we, we shift our, our thinking from concentration of, of poverty to concentration of light. And so we're asking the question, how many of you churches out here, how many of you pastors out here believe that God has a plan for Fresno? And you believe that this plan for Fresno is a good plan. And you believe that this good plan that God has for Fresno involves the church. It's not going to happen without the church. Thank God for the educational system. Thank God for um, for civic engagement. Thank God for all that. But at the end of the day, it's the church, right? So we started asking those questions. And when we're asking these questions, we realize there are pastors in, in South Fresno who have the will and the want to make their na- to make their neighborhood better, but didn't necessarily have the resources. Mm-hmm. Then you have the pastors in the north who have the resources, but not necessarily the direct wow. connection. Yeah. And so we say, huh, how can Clovis Hills partner with uh, Image Church? Or how can um, Neighborhood Church partner with Paraclete Missionary Baptist Church? What, what would that look like? And so they started coming together. Again, the pastors becoming friends. Mm-hmm. The pastors having barbecues together and sharing, um, sharing stories. And then them uh, then going back to their congregations and saying, you know, my friend who pastors yeah. on the south side, their neighborhood was devastated by that drive-by shooting that just happened that we saw on the news, yeah. but it was my friend's church who lived it, right? So it makes a difference now. And so now when we say, hey, Northside Church, partner with the Southside Church, it's not a struggle because, oh, that's my friend anyway. We were going to get together for for a family barbecue at 2 o'clock anyway, so we'll just get our churches together at 10 o'clock a.m. and we'll do some painting and we'll, we'll, we'll rebuild a fence and we'll do this and we'll do that. These are my friends now and not just a service project where we go back to our comfort, we go back to our uh, being sequestered in privilege, as you say, John, and it doesn't affect me anymore. No, it impacts us all now because of our relationship. Um, and so we've seen some really incredible things happen because of these relationships. Um, and so, yeah, it's just exciting to see now how, you know, now in this COVID situation, how there are, there are pastors uh, with great resources on the North side who are lending tech support to churches on the South side who don't know how to set up a Facebook live or a zoom call or a, <laughs> what are you talking right. about? That's so awesome. my, my small church of 25 or 30, 
what 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 are we do now? Yeah. Oh, here's how we can help you get more than a hundred sus- subscribers so that you can go live on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are simple things, right? Yeah. But things so that, good. that churches need. Yeah. Things that churches need. So. That's great, Reese. So we have we have hands up now. So uh, let's let's go to Mike Minema. Thank you. That is great. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I'm wondering. I love the connections that we're having that you're sharing between churches. But where is your mission to make the impact in Fresno, uh, going beyond? Christian agencies, Christian organizations into other nonprofits or even government uh, mm-hmm. kind of impacts so that your influence as the church and the church collective in 22 churches is seeing uh, that sort of impact grow to share Jesus beyond the church. I'd love to hear if there yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that question, Mike. So I'm going to grab something real quick. And this was not planned, but since you asked the question. So um, my husband and I um, are contributing authors to a book called Out of of Nazareth, Christ-Centered Civic Transformation in Unlikely Places. And this book is really all about how the church partners with city government partners with the school district, partners with um, the, the, the other community benefit organizations, right? Because we know that it's not, just, it's not just what the church can do, but it really is about our partnerships, our connections. Um, and so there are some situations where the church does take the lead. And then there are other situations where the school district takes the lead. And then there are other situations where um, the medical field takes the lead. Mm -hmm. And so um, just knowing our role is really important. Knowing what we can do and where we do have influence is really important. And just doing that well. Um, And so coming to the table and asking really good questions when we don't have the answers. Um, But we know that there, there are people in our neighborhoods who are impacted by inadequate housing. And so we go to the housing authority or we go to the neighborhood revitalization team for the city of Fresno and we say, hey, um, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Jones is struggling. She's a part of my church and I know that somebody in your department can do something about it, <laughs> right? Um, we, we, we are on the school campuses and we're serving as mentors and we're serving as as um, as volunteers, uh, when when Read Across America happens, and we're celebrating Dr. Seuss's birthday, mm. well, we better have some pastors who are going to read to those third and fourth graders for Read Across America. Why? Because those schools are in our neighborhoods, our churches are in our neighborhoods. We care about our parishes, we care about our neighborhoods. So yeah, we do have the ability to impact our entire city. If we know how to partner well, and if we know how to play our role um, really well, I, I jokingly talk about um, this. So, so some, sometimes I don't feel like cooking. Okay. And those times that I don't feel like cooking, we typically order pizza from our, a local, local pizzeria. It would be crazy for me to take this pizza, open the box and try to just start eating the whole thing. Right? That's crazy. The same thing to do is to pick it up one slice at a time and eat my slice. And then when I'm ready for the next slice, I eat that slice. Sometimes the church, pastors, ministry leaders, 
we open that box and we just try to go for it and we're missing it. We're burning the roof of our mouth because we're trying to eat it too fast anyway. We're missing it. We need to take this thing slice by slice. And that's why we focus on our parish, Lowell neighborhood. It's great to say God changed Fresno, God changed Ontario, God changed whatever. But if we fo- if we if we focus more um, succinctly and more concisely on a specific area, then we're able to eat that pizza one slice at a time. And so that 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 to me is is the um, I don't want to say the way forward, but that just makes more sense for me. And in our context is just one slice at a time doing our part really well to posture. So the name of that book was out of Nazareth, Christ centered transformation in unlikely places. Yes. Okay. And it's, it's on Amazon. It's in the, we put it in the chat. And if you're listening, you can find that book on Amazon out of Nazareth. Christ-centered transformation in unlikely places. Mm-hmm. And our, our chapter, um, the chapter that my husband and I contributed to is chapter eight. You're okay. welcome. <laughs> there you go. All right. Hey, this is great. Uh, thank you. Uh, I spent many days in Fresno as a kid. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, a quick question maybe that you could speak to briefly. <laughs> um, I'm finding more and more um, that marginalized those who are in those places in society um they are the guides into the kingdom uh those are the tour guides that um don't just need my help but i need their help and uh can you speak to that briefly because that's something that i'm becoming more and more aware of i'm changed i'm challenged and i see christ in the kingdom more clearly when I lean in to those spaces. So if you could speak to that briefly, that'd be awesome. Absolutely, Keith. And it really is about posture. John, John kind of spoke to it. It really is about posture. Um, we know that Jesus is the answer. We can sing the song. Jesus is the answer for all the world today, right? Mm-hmm. We, know, we know that he is the answer. Um, but if we remove ourselves from a learning posture, we've missed it. There are people in our neighborhoods who, yes, they are on the margins. Yes, they are vulnerable. Yes, they are poor. Yes, they are homeless. I've learned how to love because of my homeless neighbors. I've learned so much from, from my, <laughs> my gangster neighbors on what it looks like to be loyal, what it looks like to see people mm. as family, what it looks like to not use people and not, and to not look at them as objects or obstacles, but to look at them as people. Like I've learned so much from, from those who the rest of society has maybe tossed aside. Um, so yeah, as, as long as we continue to posture ourselves as learners, I think we're going to, we're going to be able to do, uh, to make so much uh, greater impact for the kingdom. Um, I think of the story and I know we got to be quick, um, I think of the story of Jesus, you know, feeding the 5,000 and the disciples and their role in it. Um, we, we never really pay attention to the boy who had the two fish and five loaves, right? Like there are so many boys with two fish and five loaves in our neighborhoods who have the very thing that we need in order to bless the people in the first place. Yeah. So 
that that's the posture that I that I want to remain in. I want to remain in that learner's posture. That's a great, great, great point, Keith. Thank you for that. It is. Reese, this is our chance to say thank you to you for being so vulnerable, so beautifully feisty, so filled with joy and conviction in a time when lots of our spirits are dragging. You are what my heart needed today and what my leadership needs every day of the week. I mean, every day of the week. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you all so much for having me. God bless you all. Wow, so good. We're so grateful to have Reese with us today. Just a chance to listen and learn from someone like her with the perspective and insight she has and the passion she brings to the table. And we hope everyone's taken something away from the conversation beyond just intellectual stimulation, but something that helps us lead better, something that helps us see and engage the marginalized among us better. So thanks, Reese. We appreciate that. We said we'd just regroup at the end and just provide an opportunity for an update on Jesus Collective. And maybe you're new to the conversation. We just want to welcome you. It's great to meet new faces and voices in this forum. We are, in essence, a relational network of churches and leaders who share a vision to unite and equip and amplify this Jesus-centered movement we see God raising up around the world. So that's kind of the language we've been using to inspire our vision. We just sense that God is at work um, raising up a Jesus-looking kingdom with Jesus-looking people uh, and Jesus-looking churches. And we come from an Anabaptist heritage, um, but we're not that hung up on labels, and we're not that concerned if you do or not. Um, we really rally around that concept of Jesus-centricity, and we're thrilled that people in churches from different contexts and backgrounds and denominations are starting to rally around this network and celebrate that Jesus-centricity and want to amplify it. So that's really what's at our core. Um, we've been in a pilot season for about the last year, and we've been focusing on a few different things, creating spaces of belonging and relationship for people to be known and in community and better united in this movement. We've been creating spaces of leadership formation as part of the equipping piece of our vision. We feel like we have a huge opportunity to develop and form leaders in this Jesus-centered way. There's still lots of runway there across this movement. And we want to be curating and sharing resources better too, just creating more access to really good Jesus-centered stuff for us as leaders and as churches and creating a bit of a gathering space for that to happen. So all of our experiments have kind of revolved around those purposes. And as we turn a corner out of the pilot season and look to launch more widely in 2020, we're inviting churches and leaders to take steps to explore ongoing relationship with us. And we might call that partnership. Uh, we would see partnership as a key vehicle for that ongoing engagement with the, the Jesus Collective Network. Partners would have a chance to join relational hubs, to journey with their peers, to access the digital platform we're launching, to use the different ministry resources that we want to curate and share among the collective, to engage in leadership formation experiences, to build community with one another, communicate with one another, um, collaborate together. So that's what partnership's all about. Uh, there's going to be more on how you can express your interest in partnership coming on our website that we're launching uh, in May. And uh, we'll also be launching the first version of that digital platform in the summer as well. So we would just invite people who are resonating with what this network's all about to consider taking some of those steps to be known here and expressing interest in partnership when that opportunity becomes available over the next couple months. Um, in the meantime, just a few updates and highlights of what's been going on around the place. Leadership formation, as we've said, is a key priority for us. John Hand, who you've heard from today, our leadership development pastor, he gives leadership to that aspect of Jesus Collective. Um, we hosted our first online learning collective in the fall. That was a six-week intensive 
deep dive into what it looks like to be a pastor or a ministry leader in a post-Christian context. Our second one is just getting underway, focused on exploring the Jesus-centered way in a polarized world. There's a great lineup of thought leaders contributing to that six-week intensive, uh, double the enrollment that we had in the fall. So we're really excited about that. So keep an eye on that or contact John at john.hand at jesuscollective.com if you want more info on our learning collectives and any that might be coming up in the future. Uh, we had our first innovation lab over the last couple of months. We just pulled together a few like-minded churches from across North America into a pretty intimate setting just to unlock discussions about best practices, discussions about ideating for the future, successes and failures we've had, learning from one another, learning new language from one another, seeing new things as we talk to one another. And the results of that were really inspiring. So we're thinking of doing more of those as well. Um, these podcasts, you're obviously aware of these. You found these podcasts. You don't need a primer on these, but these have been a great space to learn and sharpen our focus on the Jesus-centered way relationally and collaboratively with others, even if that gets messy at times. We value that versus it just being a one-way discussion. Uh, we've started prayer calls together for our network. We've been doing those weekly during the pandemic, and we'll probably make those monthly going forward. You can sign up for those online through our Eventbrite page. Um, search for Jesus Collective. That's just a great space for us to be praying as a network, bathing this network in prayer, praying for one another in our churches and communities. Um, and we're hosting Unite Online. I mentioned we'd give a bit more detail about that. Um, Unite 2020 was going to be our, our first time to come together in a big way physically. We're going to try and replan that when we can. Unite Online is really designed to be tailored to the needs that you've told us you have right now. Um, we want to create a space where pastors and ministry leaders can slow down, center on Jesus, rally around that distinctive we share as a collective, uh, be encouraged by that sense of solidarity around that Jesus-centered DNA, have a time of slowing down for renewal and soul care, listening to God, what he's saying to us right now, along with like-minded peers, but also some specific equipping around things you told us were important, like uh, mobilizing our churches right now, mental health and caring for ourselves and our communities, teaching and communicating really well right now, uh, and some blue sky space too, to envision what the church could look like after this pandemic. So a mix of things um, from an equipping standpoint. So day one is really going to be centering on Jesus and focusing on spiritual renewal. And day two will be more of an equipping focus with some breakout conversations that you can choose from, uh, hosted by some of our, our great peers within the network. So we want people to feel refreshed, equipped, better connected, and recentered on Jesus as our lighthouse through this interesting time we're in after Unite Online. So you can register at jesuscollective.com slash Unite Online. It's free. Um, we'd love you to pass that on to peers, members of your leadership teams, other churches or leaders you think might find that encouraging. Um, everybody's welcome to join us. Okay, so there's a few things going on around the place. Uh, you can find more out about us at jesuscollective.com. You can join our mailing list there. You can follow us on social media or just drop us a line at connect at jesuscollective.com. Especially if we don't know you, we'd love to. We'd love to meet you and hear from you. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation today and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. And hey, don't forget to check in at JesusCollective.com where you can learn more about us, join our mailing list, find info about upcoming online and in-person events, all that good stuff. Or you can find us on social media too. And listening is such an important part of our journey, especially in these early days. So you can feel free to reach out to us with ideas and feedback and suggestions. You can always connect with us by email at connect at JesusCollective.com. We'd love to hear from you.